So here's the big question. How do normal people like you and I break bad habits that are keeping us from meeting our potential, create good habits, and then leverage those habits to live swell, or in other words, to live our dreams? That's the big question, and the Swell Habits Podcast is where to find the answers. I'm Caden, the Habits Guinea Pig, and welcome to the Swell Habits Podcast. What's up? Caden here, host of the Swell Habits Podcast and the self-proclaimed Habits Guinea Pig. I take habit development methods, and I test them on myself, and I share my journey here with you as we work together to develop good habits. So, I have a, a cool first-time experience going on with today's episode. I am um, interviewing my wife, actually, Julia Perez Jensen, and um, frankly, she's much more qualified to host this podcast than I am, and that's because, um, at least academically, she's she's gone to school and got her master's degree, and she's learned about uh, behavioral um, therapy, and I'm going to let her talk more about that because she's she's the expert here. But I'm excited to have her on, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi guys, I'm Julia. Um, I yeah, I've, I have my master's in applied behavioral analysis, and I am currently a board certified behavior analyst. So um, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. I have about five years of experience working in the field of behavioral analysis. I specifically got my emphasis in autism, so I worked with um, children and teenagers that had autism spectrum disorder, and I would work with them to develop uh, either replacement behaviors for inappropriate behaviors or um, behavior treatment plans, that kind of thing. So I have a little bit of experience with that, and I'm excited to be here to talk with you guys. Yeah, so Julia, she might say some terms today that are a little uh, scientific or outside of the realm of people who haven't been in academia, so I'll ask her to clarify things um, from time to time. But uh, the reason I wanted to bring her on is because, like she said, she has experience basically shaping the behaviors of patients, kids, who have autism. And she's learned a lot about how behavior works in general. And uh, it goes hand in hand. It's exactly what what we do as we develop our own habits in our lives. And so I'm going to ask her to kind of explain uh, some different rewards, uh, different punishments, and some tips and tricks basically to help all of us get to the point where we can set up our habit development plan um, the right way. So I'm going to just ask her really quick, Julia, um, as you were in therapy with these kids, uh, you've talked with me on a personal level a lot about rewards and about punishments and how they work. And I've learned a lot from you in, in that sense. So would you mind explaining kind of the rewards and punishments that you use as a behavioral therapist to help these kids start to develop good habits? Sure. Um, So first of all, in the field of behavioral analysis, we talk about rewards and punishments a little bit differently than maybe people would define punishment um, in their day-to-day life. So for example, uh, we have something called positive and negative punishment, as well as positive and negative reinforcement. Um, So let's start with the punishment because a lot of people have like preconceived ideas of what punishment is. Um, but in the world of behavioral analysis, it's very different. So in uh, punishment, it, it isn't 
necessarily always a bad thing. It's not like a spanking or um, yelling at someone, although it could be. Um, punishment just refers to something that decreases the future likelihood of the behavior happening again. Um, and then the term positive punishment is an added something added to the environment or to the person that decreases the future likelihood that the behavior will happen again. And then negative punishment refers to taking away something from the person or from the environment that will ultimately decrease the future probability of the behavior. Perfect. So that's really good. So can you give us examples of positive punishment and negative punishment so we can get an idea of what you mean in a literal sense? Sure. Uh, So the tricky thing with punishment is it's different for everybody. So what I may consider a punishment is different than you. I'm not a big fan of Taylor Swift. So um, maybe a punishment procedure for me would be, um, okay, here's an example, like positive, a positive punishment example would be like playing Taylor Swift in the car. So if I were engaging in a behavior that you didn't like and you were to play Taylor Swift whenever I engaged in that behavior, and it was truly a punisher for me, then the, my um, frequency of emitting that behavior would decrease in the future. So whenever I was around Caden, <laughs> I wouldn't do that behavior because I'd be like, oh, he's going to play Taylor Swift. So that's adding, in to me, it's adding a negative stimulus to my environment that stops me from engaging in the behavior. Perfect. So that's an example of positive punishment because you're adding a punishment to the scenario, right? Right, right. And then an example of a negative punishment procedure, um, a very common one would be like a timeout procedure. Um, Yeah, so you're removing the person from the environment or you could even remove like a toy or something that the um, person enjoys. So then by by removing that item, they're experiencing... um, like a negative feeling or something associated with it so that they won't engage in the behavior again. Gotcha. So that's interesting. So positive punishment sounds like you can almost relate it to math in terms of a plus sign. You're adding something Mm -hmm. to punish the the person in a way that will stop them from engaging in that behavior again. And negative punishment is like you're taking something away maybe that's good that they like um, in order to get get them to stop doing that behavior as frequently in the future. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And the really important thing to keep in mind, I've already said this, but just like hammer it in, is that punishment looks different for everybody. So what I find to be a punishment, punishing to me, may not be punishing to you. You may love Taylor Swift. So um. Interesting. So this reminds me of a news story that I heard um, a couple months ago. And it was based out of Florida. Every, every crazy news story comes out of Florida, it seems like. But I remember hearing a news story about how they were playing this song called Baby Shark at the courthouse day and night, super loud, to get uh, a lot of the homeless people to clear out of the area that were basically squatting there. And so as I hear you say positive punishment, that actually reminds me of that situation where they added this negative stimulus because baby shark if you haven't heard it it's a pretty annoying song (laughs) after you you hear it a few times so that that kind of reminds me of of that funny news story i heard they were literally adding a a negative 
stimulus to the area by playing this baby shark song and it was actually effective the uh the homeless people cleared out of the area so it it worked very well so anyways we'll let julia talk about if you can julia uh the reinforcement or what i would call maybe a reward in my my type of of speech so we'll let her talk about that sure so we Often with uh, behavioral analysis, we always try and use reinforcement rather than punishment just because there's some side effects that come along with punishment, you know, um, maybe like emotional, the, the child or the client may have negative feelings towards the person delivering the punishment. Also, um, they may engage in the behavior uh, when the person who delivers the punishment punishing thing is not around so it's not um, as generalizable like it it doesn't carry over to other settings as well as reinforcement does Um, so we always try and use reinforcement first but um, I'll just talk about reinforcement a little bit so we have positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement and the positive and negative refer to either adding a stimulus or taking away a stimulus so positive reinforcement is really easy to identify Uh, reinforcer first off is just something that increases the future likelihood of the behavior happening so positive reinforcement like let's say I love chocolate so every time I do this certain behavior that Caden wants me to do he'll give me chocolate this is just an example this doesn't actually happen in our home Um, (laughs) but if I love chocolate then you know naturally if that was a reinforcer for me, then I would continually engage in the behavior in order to get chocolate. So it's reinforcing the probability that I'll engage in that behavior in the future. Interesting. So I just want to say, guys, as a side note, living with a behavioral therapist or analyst is kind of interesting because I will catch her doing these experiments on me to, to, to get me to do behaviors that she likes. So... It's it's pretty interesting. I'm actually thinking right now. I'm like, hmm, how how would she use this reinforcement idea on me? But we'll we'll let her talk about negative reinforcement now cuz I actually I I'm not clear on what that is. So negative reinforcement is basically the removal removal of a stimulus that increases the pr- future likelihood of you engaging in the behavior. So a lot of times and a good example would be like pain or like an irritant basically so for example if you're riding in the car and you're not wearing your seatbelt the seatbelt sign or beeping is going to continually go off until you put your seatbelt on right so you're going to put your seatbelt on because you want to get rid of that annoying sound so in the future you're going to as soon as you get in the car you're going to put your seatbelt on so you don't have to hear that beeping right so that's kind of similar to what would seem like positive punishment, but instead of you putting the the, ne- or the negative stimuli like a spanking, you're actually taking it away to help the person do a behavior. Is that right? Well, not exactly. So I would say the key difference between reinforcement and punishment is remember, it's the effect that it has on the behavior. So, for example... Mm, like, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Um, in the example that I was just explaining, like riding in the car, you want to look at what it does to the behavior. So if, for example, you didn't mind the beeping and you actually kind of liked it, so you never wore your seatbelt, then that would not be increasing the likelihood that you are putting your seatbelt on, right? It's actually decreasing the likelihood. So that would actually be a punishment. Mm, okay. If the behavior you were looking for is wearing a seatbelt, right? 
Gotcha. So essentially, if you're removing something that's annoying to someone and it reinforces a behavior, that could be seen as negative reinforcement. Yeah. If it, if it, re- if it makes the behavior more likely to happen. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So these are really important because one thing I haven't talked about on the podcast a whole lot yet is the idea of punishment. I've talked about how it's an essential to reward yourself for for good behavior and mainly what I've explained and now that Julia's kind of made this insight for us here is I've explained the idea of positive reinforcement basically giving yourself something that reinforces you know your behavior or your habit. Um, what the question I want to ask Julia is should you have both punishment and reinforcement or reward as a part of your habit plan? Or is it acceptable to have just one or the other? So I would never do just punishment alone. That, um, at least in a lot of the research st- uh, articles that I read in my grad program, it's not as effective as reinforcement alone. So you can do just reinforcement alone. And oftentimes when um, I'm creating a behavior intervention plan for a child um, that I or a client that I would have, we usually only use reinforcement, um, and that's really effective. Uh, we will occasionally use punishment procedures, but only um, in certain circumstances, and when we've tried other reinforcement procedures and they've been ineffective. So, I mean, that kind of all comes down to you as a person, since technically you'll be creating your own, you know, habit-changing plan. You can add a punishment procedure as well as a reinforcement procedure if that will help you. I wouldn't recommend just doing a punishment procedure. I don't think that will um, be as effective. Interesting. So to start, make sure you're rewarding yourself. Consider punishing yourself too. But uh, it sounds like in most scenarios, just including the reward uh, is pretty effective. So I guess you'll have to kind of experiment on yourself. And I would say if it were me, I would just start with the reward. Keeping things simple is always best for you to stick with something. Um, but maybe if you find yourself you know, failing to, to stick with the habit with just the reward, maybe um, incorporate some punishment into the scenario. So these are really, really insightful and good um, examples and ideas of, of how this works on a very academic level. And it's kind of proof, um, if you will, that the things that that we do uh, as we try and develop habits, they really are grounded in scientific methods. And there is a best way to go about developing a a new habit um, in your own life. And so I wanted to ask Julia just a couple of uh, fire round questions, if you will, because um, I'm a big reader. And my my guess or my hypothesis is that a lot of you are big readers. So this being the very first interview, um, I want to ask Julia, what is a book um, that somewhat has to do with habit development? It doesn't have to fit in perfectly, but what's a book that you would recommend our listeners read um, to learn more about this kind of thing or habit development in general? Sure. Um, one that's specifically towards like creating uh, habits and building your willpower is called The Willpower Instinct. It doesn't necessarily go along with behavioral psychology or applied behavioral analysis specifically like it has a lot of um, mentalistic views in it but it's really solid and um, it's backed by science so I would recommend that book 
Very cool. I actually haven't read that yet, so I'm going to have to read that one. Um, the next question I want to ask Julia is, are you currently in the process of developing a habit? And if so, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that habit is you're trying to develop? Yeah. Um, for me personally, and for you, I think you've talked about this in previous podcasts, but we're cr- trying to create a habit of working out and eating healthy. Exactly. So I wanted to ask Julia, because me and Julia are very different uh, individuals um, in terms of just our level of progress. She is much more fit than me. I will be the first to admit that. So I wanted to ask her, what is her biggest obstacle right now in developing these habits? Sugar. <laughs> um, especially, like, we'd go over to Caden's house, and um, his family's, like, big on eating desserts, and they his mom's a fabulous cook. So of course they always have like gourmet desserts. (laughs) And, um, so oftentimes like staying strong when we're trying to stick to our, you know, healthy eating plan when we're at his parents, it's a little bit tricky. Gotcha. Is there something that you do or you've been thinking about doing to make it easier or to remove that obstacle? Well, um, I'm not sure if you touched on this previously, but we created a plan together of like how many times we would, you know, cheat on our meal plan and be able to eat um, dessert together. So I also think that it's help, it's helpful to have somebody to hold you accountable to the plan that you create. Um, and luckily, like, Kate and I are a team, so we're trying to do this together. And so it, it's a lot easier when we're together at dinner and we can, you know, refrain together or um, tell them, like, yeah, we'll just have it next time we come or something like that. That's really good. Accountability partner. Luckily, my accountability partner is my wife. And so, yeah, good good tip. And that's probably something I'll dive more into in a future episode. But having somebody else besides yourself to hold you accountable, it boosts your chances of sticking with a good behavior exponentially. So this was really, really fun to have uh, my wife, Julia, on. I'm sure she'll be on in future episodes um, maybe just to help me kind of co-host this, this podcast from time to time. But thank you, Julia, for sharing your knowledge with us. Like I said, Julia is really the qualified one to, to do this podcast, and she gives me a lot of behind-the-scenes tips and ideas for this and makes sure that I'm sharing with you factual information that's really grounded in science. So thanks for being on uh, the podcast, Julia. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. This was really fun. (laughs) So, uh, guys, I'm Caden Jensen. I'm host of the Swell Habits podcast and the Habits Guinea Pig. I take habit development methods and I test them on myself and share my journey here. I want to remind you that if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. And recommend it to your friends. If there's people out there that you know of that are interested in self-development, that have struggled with bad habits in the past and are trying to change and just haven't had the success they want to, there's tons of good information for them to dive into here. And I'm a real human being. Julia, my wife, she's a real human being. We're doing this together. And so uh, I, I implore you to uh, you know let your friends know. Um, We're here to break free of the chains of mediocrity, become the best versions of ourselves, and live an extraordinary life. Uh, I'm Caden Jensen, host of the Swell Habits Podcast, signing off.